Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I have an insightful conversation to share with you this week as I met up with Dr. John Townsend. Now, most of you probably know John from Boundaries, the New York Times bestselling book, which he co-authored. John is a psychologist and leadership consultant working with churches, ministry organizations, and businesses around the world. His most recent book is so incredibly helpful. It's entitled People Fuel, How Energy from Relationships Transforms Life, Love, and Leadership. Now, in this week's episode, John and I discuss why many ministry leaders struggle with maintaining a healthy balance between serving others and understanding our own needs. We talk about managing those relationships that really drain our energy and ministry in a way that allows us to continue to live out God's call in our lives. And near the end of our conversation, John shares a helpful assignment that you can begin today to take action to improve your relational growth and your leadership capacity. Now, you're going to want to share this conversation with your ministry team, so be sure to pass it along. So let's dive into my conversation with Dr. John Townsend. John, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. So glad that you could join us this week. Thanks, Jason. Me too. Uh, John, as, as pastors and ministry leaders, we often focus much of our energy on other people, right? Serving them, leading them, meeting their needs, being present for them, helping them navigate highs and lows of life. Um, so we often have kind of this idea of self-sacrifice. It's oftentimes central to how we even approach our call in ministry. Oftentimes, as ministry leaders, this idea of even thinking about our own needs can feel like we're not truly or fully embracing our ministry calling, yet the research that we find in your new book, People Fuel, speaks directly to um, a recognition of our own needs and the importance and value of that. So, John, can you begin to kind of talk to us as ministry leaders about why acknowledging our own needs is so important? I'm so glad you asked the question, Jason. I work with uh, with uh, coaching and consulting ministry leaders all around the, around the world, and it's just like the number one question. And the, the best answer is that now we're finding out that neuroscience is basically catching up with what the Bible has been saying all along about these matters. You know, I, the one reason I love neuroscience is mainly what I study now is because everything we're finding in any kind of robust study about leadership, uh, uh, about performance, about excellence, about optimization, every well-done study just says – Everything that God said about who we are and what we need is, you know, has been in the Bible. And one of the things you find out in the Bible is that needs are a good thing. In fact, in the book, I say you need to need. And if you don't need, you're going to be in trouble. And let me just kind of take you through five quick verses that teach us that we need to need each other. And it's not being selfish. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah. All right, start with Genesis 2. It's not good that that man be alone. We all know that passage. But if you exegete it in the Hebrew, it's not a verse about marriage. It's a verse about relationship where God, is, as the, the father of all, is in this perfect relationship with Adam. You know, it's what we call the vertical spirituality. And he says, hey, there's something not good. 
What do you mean? How can there be something not good in this perfect universe? God's saying there's, there's a not good. You don't have something, what we call in the book, horizontal. So we need each other because God set up a system. And you drop over to Ecclesiastes 4. Woe to you when you fall down. There's not another lifted up. You exegete that in the Hebrew. It doesn't say when Jesus lifts you up. It says when another person lifts you up. Okay, so that's Solomon saying the same thing. Go over to Matthew 26, and Jesus is on the mount, and he's he's going he's having the passion, and he's like looking, you know, he's looking in the future about this terrible, terrible execution. And while he's in community with the Father, he turns around and says to three guys, Peter, James, and John, "Stay with me. I'm I'm very depressed. I'm very distressed." In other words, Jesus needed people then. Go over to Second Corinthians six, uh, where Paul says. I was really in despair, and God who comforts us sent Titus to comfort me. God could have sent a Bible verse or something from you know the Holy Spirit, or he could have sent a miracle. He sent Titus, a person to comfort him. And then the final one is First, first Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10, which says that we are the stewards of God's manifold grace. So... God fills up our gas tank vertically, but it also says we get grace from other people, too. So just on a basically theological level, we need to need other people. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I appreciate you walking through that. Totally see that that like horizontal relationships that, that are so vital in the way that God created us for community. Absolutely love that. Let's go back uh, to this this self-sacrificing mindset many of us have in ministry. And I'll throw out some scripture passages as well to you because— I think one of the things I know from my own personal experience uh, as a pastor and and in just traveling the country, speaking, coaching uh, lots of pastors, I think one of the things that we wrestle with is this, this balance and, um, and you know, again, this kind of self-sacrificing mindset. I mean, Paul, you know, in his letter to the Philippians, you know, he, he, he said we need to humbly value others above ourselves, not look to our own interests, but the interests of others. And then he goes on to say we should have the mindset of Jesus. And then this beautiful, you know, you know hymn that he shares there in chapter two, uh, he talks about Jesus, you know, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and becoming obedient mm-hmm. to death on a cross. Very, very, mm-hmm. you know, sacrificial language. And and so that's, you know, we, we wrap our minds and hearts around that quite often in ministry. So how do we balance that kind of self-sacrifice that we're called to with what what you shared very, very well? Um, and we see in Scripture this idea of understanding our own needs, and, and we don't need to feel guilty about the fact that we have needs, right? No, because we balance Scripture with Scripture. I mean, every passage you just listed, uh, Jason— is so vital that it, there is sacrifice involved. There is pouring out of ourselves involved. But people that that's all they see when they read the Bible, they're not reading their entire Bible. Mm. Let me give you another passage that they got to read and balance that out. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. You know, when I wrote all those boundary books with Henry Cloud, that was kind of one of the key verses. It says, guard your heart for from it flow the wellsprings of life. So I'm supposed to be giving, but if I'm not guarding my heart, my heart's not going to have anything to give. I often tell uh, ministry leaders when I'm working with them, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself like a burnt offering, but you've got nothing to sacrifice because there's no heart to guard. Mm, that's good. You've got to get support and love and encouragement and wisdom and strengthening so you can actually give to the world. It's the people that are empty. And, you know, we, we look at leader burnout. 
We right. see people that are giving and giving, and they got nothing to offer anymore. So you got to take Bible with Bible. God says, fill up your tank. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Are you filling yourself not only with God, but with the right people? Well, then you can go give to a million people. You can go to other countries. You can you know, start businesses, or you can you know, do evangelism and church community in your church. But if you're not filling yourself with God and people, what the research says, and let me move from the Bible to the research for a second, mm-hmm. it says that people who don't have long-term nurturing relationships where they're giving to them, because leaders tend to give to everybody else. But if you don't have people giving to you, we now we're finding out that they have more relationship problems, more career problems, more psychological, emotional problems, more medical problems, and a higher rate of mortality. Wow. John, would you say that um, one of the um, one of the things that's leading to a lot of leadership burnout within the church is just just this, this idea that we are giving, 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 and not understanding that we need to receive in these relationships that God has brought into our lives. Yeah. It, when I consult with organizations and churches, it comes down to two things, I think. Mm-hmm. One is that people are sourcing, but not being sourced. So we're sourcing and mentoring and guiding and developing and having teams and having all this. But you know how a leader gets. When a leader gets in a small group, what's the first thing they do? They lead the small group, right? Right, so, yeah, right, right, right. You know, and I, I always say, where do you take the leader hat off besides with your spouse and say, you know, it's just me now. And I, I got I to gotta vent a little bit and I got to tell you how bad things are going for me. Where do you? And they'll say, well, I get that from God. And they'll say, great. And they'll say, I get that from my spouse. I'll say, great. You need to be able to vent and talk about your what you need from your spouse. And they'll say, then I've, I've got my Labrador Retriever, Max. <laughs> and um and Max really understands me. I'll go, that's great. You got God, your spouse, and Max. And guess what? God kind of does it because he's God, and Max has to do it because he's a lab. And I think your spouse is tired. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And then I'll talk to the spouse, and the spouse will go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> they need something more than me because we kind of keep it in those categories, and that's not what the Bible nor the research teach. And that's what leads to the burnout. That's good. That's good, brother. You know, talking about this idea of people fuel and, and how – uh, your newest book and how kind of this energy that we, we we receive from these relationships, right? And and like you said, I love love the fact that this is very very biblical. You know, this is it's nice. Like you say, what the when science catches up with what God's already been teaching us. But John, yeah, I, isn't that a great? Yeah, idea? yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, John, as as pastors and ministry leaders, um, invariably. There are some people in our churches that boost our energy, you know, and it's it's great to be around them. And then there are those others that are absolute drains. So how can we best respond to to each of those groups of people? Because God has entrusted both types of those people to our care as ministry leaders, yeah. right? So so how do we kind of respond? How do we protect ourselves? How, how do we make that healthy? Yeah, in the book I call those folks the the bless their heart folks. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, in life, and especially in leadership, there's the people who are the gains yep. and the people who are the drains. And, right. you know, you've got the people that you'll come away from a lunch with them and you'll feel ready to go and invigorated <laughs> and creative and on to the vision, right? And that's great. Those are the gains. And you'll have lunch with somebody else and you'll go, I need a two-hour nap here. <laughs> I mean, I got to recover from that lunch. So the the idea is that we are called to both. 
But um, in, in the book, I talk about seven types of relationships to kind of clarify all that. Can I go over that quickly? Yeah, yeah, please. It's called the seven C's. Seven C's are seven types of people that any leader's got to know what the categories are. And the, the, it goes from high energy to low energy. The top C is coaches. We need uh, spiritual directors and mentors and executive coaches and family coaches and financial coaches, whatever your need is. You need somebody guiding you too. somebody who's got, you know, that that direction, emotional counselor, somebody who's got some information, a, a Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours that you don't have that can guide you. And so many ministry leaders don't have that. And so sort of like they don't have that extra expertise they need. Second level is what I call comrades, second C. And comrades are those people who are going through life with you in a mutual sharing, vulnerable level. It's sort of like uh, you've got that close people who are so safe and you can say anything do to, to, to them and they can say anything to you. And you're both grappling with life and leadership together. I call it the life team concept. And I think you can have about between three and 10 people like that. You really can't do more than much more than 10 because you don't have much, much time and you got to have at least three. But those people give you energy, support you, tell you the truth when you need it, you know, just be there when you need it. So that's the second level. They're the people, the coaches and comrades are where most leaders really have to build up. Third level is casuals. And those are just kind of those existential, nice people like in your life, like your next door neighbor that you want to evangelize and you bring them to the house for a burger and a beer or people at church that you don't know well, but you like them. Kind of the sort of the acquaintances that are just positive people. Fourth level is colleagues. And we all have to work. And work means we've got to have people who have integrity and they work well on teams and they're good. Uh, they've got good competencies. We need really good people around us who are who help us achieve whatever the mission is. Fifth level or fifth C is care. And care is those people who have nothing to offer us, Jason. They're just without. And Jesus said they'll always be with us. Mm. Um, we're, we're called to them. It might be a third world country that needs a well dug for them. It might be helping with sex trafficking in somewhere in the, in the United States. It could be a domestic violence shelter. It could be an evangelism effort. It could, who knows? Poverty. But those are the people who have nothing to give us, and we need to we're called to help them. Sixth level, 6C, is um, chronics. And those are the people I call, their, bless their heart. They're the people we pour into and we have lunches with and we skip our kids' soccer games so we can go mentor them and blah, blah, blah. And we give them advice and they never do anything we say. And they're always having financial problems and kid problems and marriage problems and health problems and emotional problems. And we give them all this homework. They don't do anything. They have what I call as a psychologist. Jason, a flat learning curve. <laughs> no, and we pour and pour and pour and pour our codependent self into them, and they never change. They're nice people, but they just don't. They're chronic. And then the seventh level, or the seventh C, is uh, what's called contaminants. And unfortunately, there are bad people in the world. They're wicked people that aren't good, and they want to take advantage of you and your life and your family and your money and everything, and you can't give them any. You've got to have a lot of boundaries with them. So my experience with people is that we're all leaders are kind of bottom heavy. I don't mean that physically, of course. I mean <laughs> we got a we got a lot of care, we got a lot of chronics, we got a lot of contaminants. Right. And to really be healthy and be energetic leader who we're supposed to be, you got to right size that so you have pruned back some of the care, the the chronics and the contaminants. It might mean meeting with them less. It might mean giving them to other people and delegating a bit and building up the comrades and coaches, and all of a sudden, things begin to change energy-wise, focus-wise, creativity-wise. 
that's good. You know, I found something interesting in the book when you're t- talking specifically about chronics, because I think in ministry, in ministry, it's one of those things that, I mean, we're called to minister, right? I mean, this is our passion. And so sometimes, passion. yeah, I think we get a, in some ways attracted to the chronics in some ways, because and one of the things you, you write about is that that what you have found over your years of of, you know, consulting leaders and working um, with high performing leaders is that oftentimes high performing leaders are are the optimistic people. They're compassionate. They're caring. They have great hope. You know, they, they want to see change in people. So we tend to oftentimes just by nature of of how we're wired Sometimes we gravitate to the chronics and maybe invest more time than than maybe we should just because of how we're wired. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because I, I see that so often in, in us as pastors and ministry leaders. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny how we do that. In the psychological world, that's called defensive hope, Jason. Okay. The term, the term means I hope because I hope, but it's based on nothing but hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope they do my homework. I hope they do my action step. But they never have. But I just hope they will. And it's based on nothing. And, you know, biblical hope's based on reality. Our mm. hope's based on what God says and his promises and all that. It's based on foundation. Defensive hope says, well, I just hope they'll take my advice this week. And what I always tell leaders when they find themselves, they'll, they'll do this analysis and go, oh, my goodness, I got a bunch of chronics and I love them. But, man, I'm, my, my spouse is getting mad at me and my kids are saying, what's your name and all that. <laughs> um, and I call it discipling, but it's really just codependent. I'll tell them, here's a way to fix that. Give the person with the struggles an assignment and just say, try this this week, see how it goes. And if they come back and they say, I just need to talk to you. And you go, first thing you say, I really want to hear it. Did you do what I said? No, I was too busy. (laughs) Well, okay. Then you have another lunch because you want to be a kind person. Give them an assignment and come back. Did you do what I said? No, no, but you know, I need to talk about these problems. Then you finally have to say, "Uh, I think I need to let you know that I expect, you know, I love spending time with you, but I expect you to do my assignments because it's going to help your marriage, your emotions, your money, your finances, your child, your parenting. And so I really, that's kind of part of our relationship. And there's some people that are, you know, in my world is always mild, moderate, moderate and severe mm-hmm. and a mild chronicle go, you know, busted. Sorry. I've been kind of lazy. I just like to use you as a dumping ground right. and they'll change right, all right. of a sudden they're doing your assignments and they start getting incrementally better. And you go, Hey, great. And there's some people that just, you're not really being kind to me right now. This thing about homework assignments is sort of, <laughs> then you go, okay. And then you just have to say, I, I really can't meet as much as you'd like. I've had people go from once a week with somebody to three times a year. Mm. Right. And they say, here's an 800 number. Here's another church ministry. But this really doesn't work. And it frees everything up. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Super helpful. John, one of the things that you you talk about in the book, and and you and I even chatted a little bit about this, um, absolutely love this concept. But this is this idea of relational nutrients. Can you? Uh, I I just love the way that that all fits together because it, it it the way you present it, it just makes sense. You know, what I mean, it's like it's like a lot of things that you you think and talk about and you hear, and a lot of things are kind of theoretical. But then the way that yeah. you present this really kind of puts it into boxes and kind of helps make sense. So can you talk to us a little bit about what do you mean by relational nutrients and how do these help us in our relationships? Yeah, I think on a unique value prop of the book, Jason, sort of like we, we, we finally took the idea of, we, okay, I know I need people, but that's vague, to let's make it a science and let's make it a simple structure. And that, that really helped. Um, 
think about the bionutrients in our body that, you know, God made us to be, you know, fed and encouraged by certain things in our body. For example, the bionutrient of, um, of calcium. And if you have a non, if you don't have enough calcium, what happens? You get bone problems, osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you got, what if you, well, what about the, the bionutrient of, um, of iron? Well, if you don't have enough iron, you get a blood problem called um, anemia. So you got to have those in our, in our bodies. Well, the concept that I talk about in the book in the book is relational nutrients. And the idea is the same, is that just like our body needs bionutrients, our brains need relational nutrients. How do they happen? In a conversation between me and somebody else who is safe and good in my life. And I transfer relational nutrients to that person, and they feel encouraged and creative and wiser, and I transfer mine back to them. That's how the world works. And the model is there are 22 relational nutrients, and I don't want to go into them right now. I want to go to what is that they're organized into four categories. Very simple. I want to make this really just easy to grasp. And the four quadrants, we call them four quadrants, contain all the nutrients. Quadrant one is called be present. And what is be present? Well, it means to be quiet as a, you know, because sometimes leaders, as we talk too much, I, <laughs> I do, you know, we got to shut up sometimes and say, I need to learn how to listen, to accept this person, to convey that I'm with them, to have compassion, to tune into them, to be empathetic with them. Sometimes that'll solve a million problems. And, you know, there's kind of a man-woman thing. Women are better at this than we are. We're kind of more go-get-it. And we got to be better at that. Quadrant two, besides be present, is to convey the good. Sometimes you just need to tell somebody, you know, you're a good person. And, and let me tell you why. I want to affirm that you did something really well yesterday. I want to tell you something about how I respect your character. I want to let you know that um, I want to encourage you because you're not encouraging yourself right now. And sometimes as a leader, you might need somebody to tell you that, too, because it's a two-way street. So that's convey the good, convey the positive. The third one is to provide reality. Sometimes being present conveying good are not enough. We need truth. We need wisdom or perspective or insight or data or feedback. And I need to have people around me that are giving me feedback and data and all those good things. And the fourth category is um, call to action. Because at the end of the day, a leader is evaluated according to his or her performance. Mm-hmm. And so it's about the actions and behaviors we need. What are those? Well, action steps, um, things you got to do this week. Um, some suggestions, recommendations, things to really behave differently. And all of us need, as leaders, once some, something in one of those quadrants every single week to be at our optimized level, and we also need to give it to others. That's the easy way to understand this, and, and it, it's just very practical and it works. Yeah, that, that's good. And, and as we um, – I know as I, I read through and I looked at the different quadrants and different relational nutrients that fall into each quadrant, you know, I kind of can you know do a self-assessment and recognize – Hey, I'm pretty strong in this quadrant. You know, naturally, that's kind of my comfort zone, maybe, but not not as good in, in maybe one of these other quadrants. So, uh, you know, one of the things that you know, one of the relational nutrients um, among you know, like you said, 22 of them. But one of the ones that that you bring up is like confrontation, for example, um, facing someone with an appeal to change is how you describe that. So, and I know that just from my experience, and and again, being with lots of lots of pastors over the years that sometimes confrontation is, is something a little more challenging for, for pastors. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, that's, that's quadrant three. Right. And that's the one that says provide reality. Sometimes we get to give a tough reality to somebody in love. It's a very important nutrient, but very hard often for pastors to do. John, so as we're looking at these relational nutrients, how can we best not only understand 
the relational nutrients that we are lacking in our own lives, but then also as we're ministering to others, uh, begin to identify maybe some of those relational nutrients that they need as well. You know, Jason, that's a question that so many leaders ask me is how do I address these on both levels of their needs and my needs? And especially like you mentioned, so many leaders have a hard time with the specific nutrient of confrontation. Well, on a 30,000 level, and I'm going to sound like you got to be selfish here, but you got to be selfish here. <laughs> you got to start with you and what you need. Because when you get up in the morning, if you're empty and you're you know, overwhelmed and you're discouraged, the first thing you think of is, oh, I'll just go bring love to everybody. I'm sorry. You got nothing in your tank. Go back to Proverbs 4.23. So let's talk about your needs first. I think that we are responsible to identify and to bring other people into our needs. That's our job. People can't read our minds. Maybe I get up and I'm and I'm maybe I'm gonna have breakfast with somebody I care about who's maybe on my life team. And I'm really I love this person. We 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 go through life mutually. And maybe I don't need advice right now. Maybe I just need to kind of vent about some things that sort of are tough. But I've got to tell that person that they can't read my mind. I can't say I, I just can't just start talking unless they're like a really kind of a mentor type person who they can, can read me differently. I gotta say. Hey, right now, I don't really need advice, Sam. I just need to know that you get it, how tough it is right now. And I'll figure it out. But it's really, really nice to know that I can tell you how things are going at the, the church and with this pe- person I'm working at and with my my marriage and stuff. And just I just need to you know you get it. What I'm clearly saying to them is I need quadrant one today. I don't need quadrant four. That's mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. I just have to I just have to kind of educate them on what I need so they know. Now. On the other side, as I what we're finding out is as I learn about this, I can sit down with somebody and kind of take the take the model in my head and think as I'm listening, do they need right now um, just me being with them, or do they need to kind of get some challenge? Like it, it, if they have some chronic problem, maybe they're always late to things, or maybe they're messing up their relationships, or maybe they're whatever. If I've been like comforting them and supporting them and not saying, I'm really kind of worried about you because your behavior is not changing. I'm not doing them any favors. So I've got to be the one that says, I think right now they might need a nice, loving confrontation or challenge. So I kind of read them and what they need according to the situation. And I hope that, and then I tell other people what I need because according to my situation. Yeah, I like that, John, because there's that self-awareness factor, but the greater we become self-aware, um, the easier it is for us to kind of see uh, the needs in others' lives. So in ministry, as we're ministering to people, um, you know, like you said, the more more we understand those needs in our own lives, the more easily we can identify, you know, the gaps in others' lives. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Absolutely love that. Let me ask you this, John. As as pastors, thinking through this whole idea of um, people fuel and the relational nutrients and and uh, becoming self-aware and understanding our needs and the importance of we can't we can't help others, you know, if we're empty. What would you say to to pastors listening today who are like, all of this makes sense to me? How do how do like what are practical steps that be, can begin moving in this direction? I know one, and and you haven't asked me to say this, but I'm going to say that is to to actually read People Fuel because I think oh. this is one of those books that that um, we need to take our teams through, you know, our staff through. I think it'll be very, very helpful. 
But actually, you know what? We're uh-huh. we're also yeah. um, putting together people fuel in the box. Like you know, uh, a friend of mine, Patrick Lencioni, did his five dysfunctions, and you know, oh, people yeah. go into organizations with that. We're doing that with this too. We're training teams and churches. Our consultants and my consultants are going in and saying, "Okay, there's a video about this, and here's some workbooks and facilitators." So that's a formal, structured way to do it. Oh wow! But like you said, there's other ways too. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, so what would you say uh, again to a pastor listening right now? Here's all this. What, what are some like first steps that you'd recommend if, if you want to really kind of step into this and allow this to help shape your leadership, right, and, and impact your ministry, um, what would you recommend they begin kind of doing first? I have, I have two firsts. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I got one and 1.0 or maybe or something like that. Um, the first thing is to, um, to begin looking at the seven C's of your relationships mm. and looking at your balance. Are you bottom heavy? Have you got a lot of chronics and a lot of care and a lot of contaminants? And is that sapping your energy and your productivity for your vision in life? And look at how many coaches and comrades you have and um, do an evaluation. You, basically to right size this, you got to prune back the first, the, the, the three at the bottom, and you've got to build up the top. So I tell people, especially ministry leaders, the number one thing I would do, I can't do just one. Sorry, it's going to have to be That's two. That's okay. Go with you. Is, is, is who's mentoring you? Mm-hmm. Who has expertise in church growth, spiritual growth, organizational growth, emotional health, um, financial health, family, workout, whatever? But if you got somebody that's smarter than you, that's got that 10,000 hours that you can either hire or do a pro bono, we all need coaches and mentors and guides. Mm -hmm. And I have benefited so much for the coaches in my life. But the second thing is every leader has got to build their comrade life team. And the life team is those three to 10 people. And most of them will say, oh, yeah, I'm a small group. How is it going? Well, I lead it, like we we said. (laughs) So you've got to think through who is it in my life that I can be mutual with? And here's the action step that I think is kind of cool. Some people say, I don't, everybody I know needs me. And you can't blame them for needing you because the moth comes to the flame. I mean, leaders have flame. They have energy. They have vision. They have wisdom. It's not their fault they're attracted to you. It's our fault that we don't, we let too many of them in. So is is to, to begin building that life team that will support you. And, and they'll say, oh, I don't know anybody like that. I'll say, okay, yeah, you do. Get your, get, get your Microsoft Outlook contacts list. And I've done this for myself as a test. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm, a, I'm my own lab rat. And you go through the contact list. And every leader's got, I don't know, but somewhere between 700 and a few thousand people. And you, you'll you take you a couple of hours and go through the list of who is it that wants to mutually grow with me, that I grow and they grow. And I can be vulnerable and they can be vulnerable. And we can challenge each other and love each other and support each other. And I need to get those people because all I've got is my spouse and Max and God. <laughs> And at the end of that couple of hours, maybe an hour, you'll have, I don't know, you'll probably have 10, 15 people. And you look at that list and you go, gosh, nice person. You know, why, can't, why don't I spend more time with that person? I feel energized. Okay, great. Then you have a few that you'll say, oh, I think they're still in prison for felonies. I think that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> so you kind of go through it, right? And then you just call that person. One of them pick the top one and say, hey, I'd love to have lunch. I haven't seen you forever. And you have lunch, and I tell them, take one vulnerable step, a baby step. You're vulnerable about something. You don't come in with, I've got it all together. Everything's great. You come in and say, hey, you guys are chatting, say something about, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know, I've got it. 
the church has got some problems or my marriage has some issues or I get one of my kids is going upside down or I'm getting too fat or just something like a, a little vulnerable step. And that person will do one of three things that will let you know if they're a potential comrade. Number one, they'll say, can you believe the weather today? I just I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> well, what are they telling you? What do you think they're telling you, Jason? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to avoid that situation. I don't want to get into I it. I just yeah. don't want to talk about yep. it. I don't, yep. I don't want to talk about vulnerable things. Okay, right. great. Nice person, but probably not right for the for the comrade life team. The second thing they'll say is, well, I'm so glad you shared that. Okay, the first thing you need to do is have better quiet times. Now, here's a devotional. Second thing you do, here's a parenting book that will really change your life. Third <laughs> thing, are you taking supplements? Because I think you need more. Okay, what they're telling you is, I love to give advice, and I just don't want to listen to you. It makes me too anxious. So, okay, nice person, but I don't need another advice person in my life. The third thing, and here's the winner, here's the goal, is they'll stop and they'll put their fork down from their chicken salad and they'll say, what? Yeah, I'm having a struggle with my 13-year-old. She's kind of upside down. I, I had no idea, Sam. It's, that's got to be hard for you guys. I know you love your kid. And I, I know your kid. What's going on? Um, how's it feel? How can I help? And they're moving towards you because they want you to grow and be help, happy and healthy. And they're telling you, I'm a candidate. And you have two or three lunches like that. And at the fourth lunch, you say, no, I've really enjoyed our time together. I'm getting kind of serious about my personal growth. And I have a deficit in having mutual people, not just people I lead. And I wonder if you like to meet on a regular basis like this and just share life together and, and be this vulnerable and open. And when I have my clients do it, because I, I take a lot of my, my high-performing clients through it, it takes probably, I don't know, a few months, three or four months, really, because mm -hmm. everybody's busy. And 90% of them will say, I came back and the person said, oh, my gosh, yes, when can we do this? I need this, too. All I've got is Max and my spouse and God. This is great. So that's the action step. I love that. That's golden, John. That is golden, brother. Thank you so much it works. for that. It works. Yeah, sounds good. Um, anything else? If someone listening in today, John, as we're kind of closing things down, if they'd like to, to learn more, connect more with you, learn more about the book, what's the best way to, to do that? Uh, drtownsend.com, easy, like drtownsend.com. Easy enough, and we'll have that in the show notes, and we'll also have links um, for the book, People Fuel. And you say that you have, um, has that People Fuel in a Box, is that is that available yet, or is that something the team's working on right now? Or uh, Yeah, it's coming out pretty soon. Um, okay. We're in the studio doing videos and awesome. putting things together. It's coming out. It's, we're, we're, it's, it's time to come out pretty close to when um, the book comes out. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. And then um, what about those quadrants? You, you'd mentioned that those different quadrants, you have kind of a handy <coughs> tool that you've developed, right? Yeah, I've got a freebie for people. Everybody likes freebies, right? Yeah. Well, we have what we call the four quadrants of relational nutrients card because people like having something that's quick and easy. And this can either be something you have on your smartphone. You can check it out or you just have a card to put in your wallet or your your uh, your briefcase or whatever. And it just has what we just talked about and a two sided card. One side is, is the is the uh, the quadrant of be present, which is acceptance and attunement and validation, and identification, all these specific nutrients that you need and need to provide. The second one is convey the good. And that's about respect and hope and encouragement and all those. Turn it over. The third quadrant provide reality, clarification, perspective, feedback, confrontation. And the fourth quadrant is call to action, challenge, development, service, advice. And um, we're putting together our uh, website so people can go down and get it. You can call our office and get it. Uh, but um, 
it's just something because people are busy and they need a quick way to know what they need or the person they're with needs. That's good. That's a great tool. Awesome, brother. We so appreciate having you with us on the podcast. And again, we'll have links to these different resources um, in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. John, it's been such a pleasure. God bless you, my friend. You too, Jason. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.